You done dicking with your computer there, Mike? Yeah. Okay. You, got, you yeah, guys ready to get just, started? I'm just letting yeah. the files go. I'm going to make a loud smack here so I can take the better quality audio that my computer records and then overdub it to the video later. So I'll tell you. That should show up real good on the timeline. Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. That's loud as shit. Let's try that again. Turn that volume down. I haven't done a podcast in fucking a month. Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Oh, crap. Wrong button. God damn it. Good thing we're not live anymore. <laughs> Digital 410 Productions <laughs> proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the your company name here. Studios in Cape Coral, Florida. It's the What's in Your Head podcast. What's up? What's up? OG5. It's been a while, but that that opener still cuts off like an old son of a bitch because I well I still haven't remade it. But don't worry, we got a lot of things we got to remake here in 2024. Holy shit, it's 2024. I can't believe I've been doing this podcast since 2018. And you know what? That's a long fucking time. It's been almost six years now. We're going into our sixth year, and I think it's about time we do a little format change up again. Because if you guys listen to podcasts, which obviously you do, you've been here. The whole idea, concept of a podcast, having that radio show format has really gone to the wayside. It's more of a freeform, hanging out, bullshitting type format seems to be the way things are going. So we're no longer going to do this live, even though that's kind of conducive to that format. But we're going to start pre-recording this, putting a little editing, a little value into it, so that if we end up discussing something at length, I can go back later and insert clips here and there so that the audience maybe who isn't aware of what we're talking about we can catch him up to speed, but we'll bring all that on later. Joining us tonight, the man who's about to make the faithful leap into uh, marriage coming up this weekend is Mike. What's going on, Mike? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, you know, just living the dream, just working yeah. and uh, not fishing because, well, for some reason, we got into a wormhole, went into summertime here in Florida. The rain's insane. The Lightning. My boss has a lightning app on his phone because we're here. Kaboom, kaboom. And like you couldn't even count one 1,000. By the way, Larry Venturina's back. Hi, Larry. What's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Real quick, uh, you know, we couldn't even count the one 1,000. And he was looking. He's like, yep, that one hit the stop sign down the street. <laughs> oh, that last one hit the canal right across. So, like, literally, lightning was bombarding our office today. But uh, it's been rain finally stopped two hours ago i, I was kind of concerned that i might have to cancel the podcast for fear that the internet might drop out but here we are larry yeah. congratulations yeah. buddy things are going your yeah. way look at you big moves first and foremost let's talk about Keep the hustling. hustling and yeah. uh grinding fella let's talk yeah. let's talk about the semi newly formed venturino talent agency you finally yeah. decided to start representing some of the people you know and you have a few big names yeah. on your newly acquired uh, Rolodex that you're you're representing people. Yeah. How did that come about? Yeah, so basically, you know, um, I've been booking punk bands and comedians and everything for like 25 years, and then I decided to make it more official and just kind of 
just make the the agency an official, you know, booking and talent agency. So Venturino's a Venturino talent agency was born. And so I started by kind of like like getting some of the the acts that I, I book around town or throughout the country a little bit that I have close personal friends with, um, you know, to start on the roster. But then I'm already on to some, some bigger names as well. And some like, you know, some comedy legends and people that I, you know, I grew up with. And it's kind of cool to be able to reach out and help them get booked around the country. And obviously, you know, it's, it's interesting speaking of this format, something like that is something like a podcast. You know, when you first start, you got to go to somebody and say, Hey, come over here. Let me, in yeah. your case, represent you. In my case, let me interview you. And yeah. like, well, Hey, I've never heard of you or yeah, I know you're a friend of mine. Yeah. Once you start getting some recognized names on your Rolodex right. or in this case, interviewing people on my podcast or what's the scale up podcast. Once you get some of those bigger names coming, the people who may have been a little more reluctant to begin with. Yeah. Come on a little quicker. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So the thing is like people, you know, especially hopefully in Florida, you know, I've, I've produced so many shows over the years and, and um, I hope I have a, a, a decent res- reputation to like put on good shows, pay people, and um, give them like quality opportunities so people know and can trust me that you know I was going to help them out and so the people that kind of like latched on right away um, I really appreciate them to that they believed in me there were some people that were a little bit reluctant but like they didn't understand that yeah I've been doing this for a long time but um, you know the yes the agency is is kind of brand new uh, officially but you know I was going to bust my butt to get some bigger names and to help everybody out. And so the people that didn't believe me, believe in me right off the bat, well, that opportunity is gone. Um, and for whatever that's worth, um, I'm moving on to other things. So, I mean, I reached out to people who I felt uh, could use my services. And, you know, most of them were very happy to hear from me and, and kind of, uh, you know, appreciated that. There was a couple people who weren't really into it or I could tell um, because they thought they were at a different level. Well, uh, you know, now it's kind of like, well, they're kind of on their own now. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, am I, I could, bitter? Does that sound bitter? No, I, I, I'm trying to guys been doing <laughs> podcasting for six years out of his fucking <laughs> bedroom and got nowhere. So no, uh, you don't sound bitter at all, but you know, yeah. to that, to that being said, you know, some people have a hard time, after they put in years, maybe yeah. they don't put in the effort, but they put in the years. Yeah. And one of the hardest things to do is to sit back, look in a mirror, access, yeah. access the situation honestly, right, and go from there. And I think, and I think that is where we see a lot of people who quote unquote get triggered or offended yeah. on when it comes to things on the internet. Now, I'll give you the perfect example. Last six months or so, I've been trying to get back and running, especially after we went to Mike's um, bachelorette weekend, <laughs> bachelor weekend, and bachelor. his buddy Ron, who hasn't seen me in like, I don't know, a year, yeah. he saw me back when I was at the height of my running, doing savage races and all that, and he looked at me and said, what the fuck happened to you? You got fat. Wow. Uh-oh. 
about a month and a half prior to that, the guy at the UPS store where I filmed my TikTok video that went semi-viral at 1.7 million where the UPS driver was yelling at the guy who locked his dog in the car. That yeah. used to be my go-to mailbox when I, at computer zone because I couldn't have a bunch of expensive shit dropped off from my front door. So I was paying the outrageous $230 a year for UPS box. I yeah. canceled that box because I don't need it anymore. But from time yeah. to time, I still ship out stuff for uh, Digital 410. Walked into there. Now, this is before Ron saw me. Jeff said, what the fuck happened to you? You got fat. Oh, no. And then I had another person essentially say the same thing. I'm like, okay, clearly with my new job, <laughs> I've gained some weight. And so I, one of the things I decided to start working out and running, I've already ran 72 miles. This, well, walked and ran 72 miles in the last 15 days. But that, to my point, I joined a Facebook group called Slow as Fuck Running. <laughs> because yeah. one of the reasons I stopped running is I got injured. And then as mm -hmm. I got older... I started developing plantar fasciitis, so I can't run as fast as I used to. When I at my prime, when I was like 37, I was down to 207 yeah. pounds. If I busted my ass running around my neighborhood, I, I think my record is a seven-minute mile. Now I'm at 15. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I say all that, there's people on there who are posting clips of their 10-minute miles or 12-minute miles or seven-minute miles or eight-minute miles, and there's other people on there saying, hey, this is called the slowest fuck run group. You guys aren't yeah. slow runners, and they're getting offended. They're getting yeah. triggered because other people on this group who can run faster than them, yeah, that's making them look in the mirror. Yeah, back to our previous conversation, and they don't like the fact that we're on a group called Slow as Fuck Run Group, but there's people who run faster than them. Yeah, and it's like, well, you got to remember, we're all here running our own run because that's what running is. You're running your own run, and you're on your own journey. Yes, some people are new runners who can't run a 15 minute mile; they're still running 18 minutes, and they might see 15 minutes fast. But then you have old fucks like me who got injured, who put on 30 pounds, and now has plantar fasciitis, where I used to be able to run an eight nine minute mile leisurely. Now I'm at 15. So yes, 15 may seem fast to you, but in my journey, in my race, that is slow. Yeah. Yeah. But why are you getting offended by my 15-minute mile? Well, that's because my 15-minute mile is making you look in the mirror and saying, here's this 45-year-old yeah. old guy with bad feet, and yeah. I'm 22, and he runs faster than me. And that that makes people – people don't like to look in the mirror. They don't like to have that, that self-evaluation. Yeah. But I think if you talk to anybody who's truly successful, and I'm not, but people who truly are – Self-evaluation and self-reflection is like a regular routine. Ooh. Where am I at? Where do I want to be? How do I get there? And so back yeah. to, you know, some of your your friends who were a little reluctant to take you on because you're the new guy in town and they felt they're more established than that. Yeah. They didn't want to stop and maybe take that look in the mirror to truly evaluate maybe where their career is at. And yeah. see if having yeah. new representation would mm -hmm. be beneficial to them or not. Yeah, because I mean, I really bust my butt for everybody that's on my roster and everything. And yeah, honestly, being with me is like a win-win because I'm not an exclusive agent, which means people, if they get booked on their own, that's totally fine. And they can make all the money and they can do all that. That's that's great. If I work to get them a gig or get them into a venue, that's the only time I profit from anything. And so... If I don't hustle or if I don't get them a gig, then they don't. I don't make money. They don't make money. And so, what was the harm of me trying to reach out on their behalf to get 
uh, get gigs for them. Well, now, uh, you know, I've signed, or you know, not even really signed. It's like I, I work with Kevin McDonald from The Kids in the Hall, legendary uh, comedian Bob Nelson, uh, Tom Rhodes, who had Comedy Central specials. He was on MTV all through the 90s and early 2000s. Um, Dennis Regan, Brian Regan's uh, brother. Uh, you know, these guys are all solid acts who I send out an email and people are like, yeah, when, when can they come to town? And I think that helps everybody on my roster. So, yeah, there's people that are not at Kevin McDonald's uh, level in, far, um, in the sense of, you know, notoriety. But I, I try to represent all different acts that are, are solid acts. And so by getting the attention through Kevin or Tom Rhodes or whoever, these other acts that are on my roster are also getting attention. So that could have been other people, but whatever. Well, and the other advantage is a you're new, not new yeah. to not new to the industry, but your your company's new. You yeah. you're hungry because yeah. you want to build a reputation, you want to build a um, a name for yourself. Yeah. But you also you don't come with the baggage that some of these larger, well known historical talent agencies have. And I'll give you an example. One thing yeah. Adam Carolla used to joke around is because. His agent has John Stewart, Jimmy Kimmel, bigger names than yeah. him. Sometimes that agent gets stuck in bigger name mindset. And yeah. Adam Kroll will find out what? He'll find out through he'll be somewhere and find out oh, six months ago I we reached out to your agent trying to book you for a gig, but he said, Oh, Adam won't roll out of bed for less than X, Y, Z amount of money. Instead of contact Adam, say, Hey, these people want to know if you'll do this gig for this money. You don't even ask. No, yeah. he don't ask because he's in the Jimmy Kimmel, you know, John Stewart mindset, not the Adam Carolla who wants to do everything all the time mindset. Yeah, and so well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You know, that, you know that like um, I was like heavily involved with like Laughing Comedy Cafe. Now it's uh, called Snappers up in in Fort Myers. But when uh, my friend Brian owned it, I was helping him book uh, acts, and I said, "Hey, Brian, do you mind if I try to reach out to get some bigger names to come to the club that haven't been here before?" And there was one, I, I mean, I'll just tell you, I don't even care, like uh, Henry Cho, who's uh, been a mainstay in comedy for years and years and What's years. What's that clicking noise? I, yeah, I reached out to his agent multiple times, and I got no response. And I found Henry's email, and I said, hey, listen, I'm trying to offer, go through your agent to offer you a weekend here at Fort Myers. Um, you've never performed at this club, and I thought it would be cool to bring you to town. But I've I got to tell you, I said, your agent doesn't respond. And so we booked it through him, through Henry. Um, and I'm like, you don't understand. I mean, maybe he does. I mean, he's, he's been around for a while. I'm like, these comedians and the other acts, they don't understand that their agents don't respond to people. If it's not, like you said, a big money or a big name mentality where they, they're not going to get thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for something, they don't even want to respond. Whereas, so my outlook on it, I don't care if it's a small show or a big show, any offer that comes through for one of my acts, I send it their way. They can say, no, I don't want to do that, or I can't, or blah, 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 and that's fine, but I'm not going to like not do the work um, because they might want to do it. And and for, and for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with the name, Henry Cho has been around forever, Korean guy, yeah. Tennessee accent. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. one of, he did what he'd make fun of his friends, kind of like Fluffy would do. One of, one of his punchlines band day, what's that clicking noise making fun of his friend? Yeah, but a he's never been to Fort Myers, but yeah. b 
what a better place to work out new material yeah. than Snappers in Fort Myers, Florida, opposed yeah. to going down to an improv, a laugh-in, one of those places where you're still working out your material, but the audience may not understand you're working out your material and say, wow, I saw Henry Cho here and his his act is suffering. No, it's not suffering. He's trying. People don't realize in comedy you have to work out material. You don't just write something in a weekend. Just like a, a yeah. band. Mike's a drummer in a band. You don't yeah. just come up with a song while driving down the street and go and perform it next week and you got to have band practices. You got to figure out what works. Okay, well, let's move the yeah. bridge to here. I mean, Larry, you're in a band as well, you know. Yeah. Let's change the tempo. Let's play around the arrangements, you know. That yeah. chorus sucks or, you know, that hook kind of needs to be worked on. You work all that thing out and then you get it smooth. And comedians do the same thing, but they don't do it at their buddy's house in their garage on a Wednesday night. They go to these yeah. small clubs that may have open yeah. mic night or maybe aren't sold out on a Wednesday. Perfect example. Here's why, Mike, it pays to have a Larry Venturino in your pocket. Minding my own business one night. He says, you need to come down to the comedy club in two hours. What? Yeah. Can't tell you why. Just come down here. Went down there. Ron White had booked one of the bigger clubs in the weekend, but he hadn't performed in a while. So he reached yeah. out to, um, it was still laughing at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So I got to see Ron White do a warm-up act at a very, very small venue. How cool is fucking yeah. that? And so, yeah. and I mean, you don't get more intimate than a small venue like that. And so for true diehard fans of, you know, yeah. of a, a comedian or an artist to see them in that smaller venue. That's like awesome. That's like almost when you hear back in the day, you hear a pop-up show like, Oh, John Cougar showed up at this small bar in Jersey or sting showed up here and did a small set, you know, without announcing uh, yeah. it. And, that, and that's yeah. the stuff people, your fans truly enjoy. And that's how you get yeah. new fans. Yeah, absolutely. But let's so, talk about your next big step, which yeah. is very cool. Um, I got you and I got in contact back when I was working in radio. I was looking for someone putting on an improv troupe, and you you had Kevin McDonald in town, and you guys were doing, yeah. and you've done that a few times. With the exception of the venue we just talked about, the big name yeah. one down in used to be in Marco, now it's in Naples, and I yeah. think maybe there's a small venue up in Port Charlotte. There's not too many comedy clubs in Southwest Florida, right? Right, Real, like established ones, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, there's basically the three main ones. I, I don't even mention the one in Naples. I could give a shit. Yeah. Um, Snappers and Fort Myers. And then the one you talked about in Port Charlotte is Bassani's, which is a really beautiful club. Actually, it, it seats like 250. It's really a beautiful place. Um, and the shows are always really good there, too. But um, yeah, so I decided because uh, I've been touring a lot. I've been on the road a lot and uh, traveling all over the country. Um, and which basically takes up usually Wednesdays through Sunday. And I decided to reach out to um, a local hotel to see if I could open a comedy club inside their hotel. And I'm actually going to be doing them, uh, the shows on Monday and Tuesday nights, which might sound crazy to people. But again, it gives me a chance to travel. But also there are visitors that are coming to Estero uh, from all over the world that have nothing to do in this town on a Monday and Tuesday night. They can come downstairs, have something to eat, go into the show and see like a great comedy show. And so I can bring in different acts, especially if they're like, like tacking on some Monday and Tuesday off night shows after they've done a weekend somewhere else in Florida. Mm -hmm. So it's just another way for them to kind of come and, and make some extra money and do my room. Especially if you're a traveling comic. 
a road dog, not a not a you know not a well established. I can afford a a plane ticket to fly yeah. out overnight, but a, a road comic, as you said. Yeah. They, maybe they did Orlando one night. They hit Tampa the next night, Sarasota. Yeah. You know, yeah. hey, I got a Monday or Tuesday to kill. Let's head down to yeah. Fort Myers, or maybe I got a gig in Tampa this weekend. I got a gig in Orlando next weekend, but I sure shit ain't going to drive back to Ohio and then turn back yeah. around. So I'm going to go down here, get yeah. this hotel. I can perform downstairs, yeah. do, do the Monday and Tuesday night, and yeah. then Wednesday make my way up to Orlando or Miami, wherever their next their next ticket is. And that's just yeah. more more repetition. And you know, why not? And gives us yeah. more, and there's more places for us to go. You can start doing open mic nights occasionally because I know there's probably yeah. a lot of comedians around here. Yeah. Every once in a while, you might hear of a pop up open mic night, but I don't know of a well established one that people know. Oh, there's open nights here every Tuesday or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, and so this is going to be the first and only comedy club in Estero in the whole history of Estero. So nice. the Corinthians did not have one, as far as I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah like yeah so and the thing is like you might i don't know if people think it's weird like if it's in a hotel but the thing is there's a lot of clubs on the east coast that started or, or continue to be in hotel chains throughout the east coast like for instance the comedy zone uh which is a huge uh comedy chain all the way up and down the east coast their original club I performed at uh it's in jacksonville and it's been in a ramada inn for 35 years Wow. And it's an amazing room, and um, and it's a lot of fun. Laughing Comedy Cafe, which is now Snappers, that started in a Radisson, I believe, in Fort Myers. They were doing they were doing shows in a in a small ho um, hotel banquet hall kind of thing off of uh, Forty One, and the owner of Groove Street wanted them to bring. Uh, the club over to them and start the club, uh, start a comedy club as well. So that's how that got started. So a lot of these things, and you, you use, there's a lot of other uh, comedy club chains that are in hotels. And so this is a beautiful hotel in Estero, right off Corkscrew Road, NBC Suites by Hilton. It's like pretty much like only a few years old. The room is really nice. They can come and eat and drink and do whatever, and then they can. I've, uh, the tickets that I've sold already, you know, there's people coming from all over, like locally, like as far as like Ave Maria, they're coming to the, some of the shows, but also people are already planning since they're coming to visit Estero, they're already buying tickets for when they come to stay there. So have you already start, so, when, my, when's your first show? Um, next Monday, January 22nd and January 23rd of the first two shows, it's going to be R.C. Smith, who's a... Uh, you know, a great comedian. He's been doing it for 30 years. He was a warm-up act on Rachel Ray, on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Stephen Colbert's show, all those all those shows. He was doing that for years and years. Um, Vienne the Comic Doc, um, he's also a really great comedian out of, like, Sarasota area as well, and, uh, and myself. So I'll host it, and those guys will be the feature and headliners. And, um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Here's a topic I wanted to talk to you about before, while you're on the show. This yeah, came out yeah. today, and this is right up yeah. your alley. And um, Mike would be interested on your thought on this because it's going to lead into a next little side topic, even though you know we're just free farming. It. An AI-generated George Carlin act drops. <laughs> drops. I'm sorry. 
AI-generated George Carlin drops comedy special that daughter speaks out against. No machine will ever replace this genius, which I agree, but here's just a quick synopsis. More than 15 years after his death, stand-up comedian George Carlin has been brought back to life in an artificially intelligent-generated special called George Carlin's I'm Glad I'm Dead. The hour-long special, which dropped on Tuesday, comes from Dudsey, a comedy AI that hosts a podcast and YouTube show with Mad TV alumni Will Sasso and uh, podcaster Chad uh, Col- Colkin. Chad Col- oh, Colkin, yeah. Mm-hmm. Quote, I just want, this is uh, George Carlin's daughter. No, I'm sorry, this is the robot, I'm sorry. I just want to let you know very clearly that what you're about to hear is not George Carlin. This is my impression. This is the AI robot. This is my impression yeah. of George Carlin that I developed in the exact same way a human impersonator would, the robot claims. Uh-huh. I listened to all the George Carlin material and did my best to imitate his voice, cadence, and attitude as well as the subject matter I think has interested him that would interest him today. So think of it like an Andy Kaufman impersonating Elvis or like Will yeah. Ferrell impersonating George W. Bush. I'm sorry, yeah. that doesn't count. Your computer, yeah. you can... You can, I mean, we've seen it with other things. You can recreate someone's voice damn near perfectly. Yeah. And my question is, yes, you have this disclaimer at the beginning. And yes, it's quote-unquote original material. But how can, how can this legally happen if the estate of George Carlin isn't down for the cause? Yeah. You're using his name. You're not saying this is... George Harlan, you're saying it's yeah. an AI generated George Carlin bit. You're using his voice, even though it's it's a representation of his voice, but it's a dead on voice. And I don't know if there's a video to go along with it, but if there is, and if he has the appearance of George Carlin, then how the hell yeah. can this happen? Yeah, that's that is that is crazy. I mean, it's like the whole likeness of him, and like if somebody or the family owns the the rights to what he does, I mean. Like you said, like it's not like somebody who's developed an act as an impersonator, which is also another incredible talent. This is just basically ripping the guy off and trying to make something out of him. You know, that's not really anybody except a computer generating it, you know? And I I'm I'm and obviously it'd be different to see a human try to maintain that character for an hour, hour and a half. They're gonna slip a little bit. At some point. Yeah. This is, once again, a computer-generated, and I guarantee you, if you didn't put the disclaimer on there, or yeah. you just you lift a 15-minute segment and put it out on YouTube, and listen yeah. as newly discovered George Carlin yeah. footage, people are going to buy it, because it sounds like it. Because you know what? That's probably already happened. Oh, yeah. Because you know, you know how people are, where they just take other people's content and they repost it. Now, you see that online, you just chop it up a little bit and you're posting it on now your TikTok. Oh, here's George Carlin. And nobody, those people don't care. You know what I mean? So it's basically, that's already happened because you gave that to the world. Now people are going to splice it up and put it as their own content on their site. Yeah. Here's a perfect example of that. Go ahead, Mike. I stepped on you. Go ahead. I I, I personally think that there's no way that we can really get around that either. There, there's so many variables and, and because, I, I I think that AI has such a loophole in it yeah. that they, they're able to get around so many things. Yes, it's 
George Carlin. Yes, it's a comedy special. Yes, it's emulating what he did, but it's not actually him. It's uh, not yeah. stealing him as an individual or his character or his personality or anything really like that. Tell it's that to Gallagher's that brother. Was, <laughs> <right>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was something generated based on, you know, years of of um, history of his life. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that that's something that, you, you know, yes, you can say I don't condone this and I don't agree with it, but what is there to really do? Yeah. That's I the mean, world. That's, that's the world and, for now. And, but once and, somebody with power and true money gets this happen to them, things will change. <laughs> I'm yeah. an IT guy. We uh, hear stories I, all the time. These big companies getting hacked. These big companies, blah, blah, blah. Rockstar gets hacked. This this hacker group leaks out a bunch of Grand Theft Auto Six shit. Two days later, the FBI tracked it down and shut them down because Rockstar has money. Rockstar has clout, and they got shit done. So yeah, maybe George Carlin's daughter doesn't have the the power and the finances, but once somebody's material gets lifted like this, on at some point yeah. something's going to have to be done. I mean, we already saw during that writer strike. Yeah, one of the concerns now is. Well, we're just going to have AI generate scripts now. What do we need writers for? Yeah. And we're going to have AI generate computer graphics. What are we going to need actors for? Yeah. But you're, you're a comedian. As a comedian, you're a writer. Mike, you're in a band. As a, as a musician, you're a songwriter. All that comes from the human experience. All that comes from a story, a voice. I mean, you hear it all the time. It took me so long before I found my voice in comedy, or it took me so long before I found my voice in music. It took me so long before I found not, we're not saying a musician's singing voice, but the voice that represents them kind of like you like a writer, you know, you might like this writer cause their, their voice and their writing. And, yeah. and I think that artificial voice is going to be there whether or not people realize it at first back to your, your whole point about stuff already happening for those of you on TikTok, just be, you're watching a video and there's Joe Rogan and then it cuts to some weirdo you never seen. And they just happen to have a maroon <laughs> sheet behind yeah. them. That doesn't mean they're on the Joe Rogan podcast. It means they cut a clip, cut to them in yeah. front of a red shower curtain. And you used yeah. to see it on TV all the time. You would see these infomercial ads where they look like they're on like a Fox News studio or a, a CNN yeah. studio, and they're talking about reverse mortgages and shit and how it's – or whatever it may be. They they put up fake news commercials. Well, these guys are doing the same thing on TikTok. They make it, I'm going to sell my version of this breathing, this non-snoring apparatus. I'm going to make it look like I was being interviewed by Joe Rogan when he's talking about a non-snoring apparatus from a completely different company. I'm going to sell my knockoff version by putting a maroon curtain behind me and make it look like I'm at his set. And so you see it all the time. Here's, yeah. here's another thing that you can look at, though, too. Joe Rogan has the Joe Rogan AI Experience podcast where it basically is an entire show for about a half an hour of – AI Joe and some random guests that he picks and an entire conversation goes on between the two. Yes. There's disclaimers, obviously at the beginning, this is not real, blah, 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 blah. But how long until that AI guest, the real person turns around and says, Hey, I never gave you permission to use me on any kind of show. Good right, point. Right. I, I never gave, I never, you know, I, I, I never, 
you know, once agreed to my name being used or anything like that. So that's kind of the same situation we're talking about with George Carlin as well. But unfortunately, yeah. George isn't here anymore to be able to really defend yeah. himself. No, and I just had yeah. this thought. Maybe his family can take the... Oh, I can't believe I just completely went blank. I had, um, <laughs> the the yeah. female comedian who used to date Jimmy Kimmel. Um, Sarah Silverman? Maybe they can go the Sarah Silverman route. She just sued OpenAI because she found out that they used her book mm. to study to build their database. Well, in this opening monologue, it said, you know, yeah. I, I listened to all of George Carlin's material and did my best to imitate his voice, cadence, and attitude. So maybe the family can go and sue them for unlawful use of their father's material for their source material for their for their programming. Yeah. Because And not only Silver, Sarah Silverman did that, but I think either Washington Post or another, another big company is doing that because what they had discovered is AI went around their paywall, indexes all mm -hmm. their paid to read stories, and then people figured out you can go on there and ask open, chat GPT about the story, and it'll verbatim basically read to you the Washington Post article that's behind a paywall, thus circumnavigating the paywall. And so, you know, all these things are coming out, and now we're playing catch-up. Well, you know what? I got when I got married, I'm divorced, but when I got married, I got married in Vegas by Elvis at the Graceland Wedding Chapel. And now in, in Las Vegas, you can't get married by Elvis because the estate for Elvis um, – will no longer allow that to happen. So, and then those are real people that they're stopping. Uh, maybe I guess that's easier than stopping a computer, <laughs> yep. but, um, but they're, they're getting rid of the likeness being used around in, in Vegas of him. So, well, the good news even, is the Mickey mouse form from 1920 known as steamboat Willie is now public yeah. domain. So now you can go to Vegas, and get married by steamboat Willie. That's, <laughs> That's next, maybe. That's if I ever get married again. The the interesting thing behind that though is that yes, AI at the moment has the ability to kind of do its own thing, but there is still the human factor. Somebody still created it. Somebody yeah. is still programming it. Somebody is still coding it. Yeah, and all those people need to be put on a list so when the shit hits the fan 20 years from now, we know who to hold responsible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the, so that John Connor can come track it out. Similar story, but completely crazier. <clears throat> I, I'm so glad I was born in 1978. I'm so glad I grew up when I did. It's interesting, yeah. especially being an IT guy. Sometimes I feel guilty being part of this insanity. I think the pandemic streamlined it. More and more people staying at home. More and more people trying to find new ways to live their life, which is ironic because like 15 years ago, what was that? New Life or Life 2, that <laughs> that video game. That yeah. Second Life was they tried to make it a thing and it never really happened. And now we have Meta, right? Meta is trying to do their, their world. This... Apparently it happened a year ago and it's happened again. And now, so now the police are acting to get involved, but I have so many questions. This story is going to be a little weird at first, but I'm going to bring it around. I promise. Hold on your, your stool there, Larry. Okay. <laughs> UK, UK police probe virtual gang rape of a girl's avatar in the metaverse. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I have so many questions without even reading the story. 
There have been oh. several reports of virtual sex crimes in the Horizon world, a free VR game operated by Meta, the New York Post mm. reports. UK police are investigating the unprecedented case of alleged gang rape of a girl's avatar mm. in a virtual reality game, according to the Daily Mail, making a notable case within the metaverse. The report victim, a minor was using a virtual reality headset in an immersive game where her animated avatar was subjected to virtual assault by avatars of several men. I've looked at a few stories, listened to a few videos. No one's explaining what these virtual assault entailed. After all, the metaverse are cartoon, rudimentary cartoons at best. I mean, they look like modern-day Weeble Wobbles. I mean, they have no, like... It's not like you're on Grand Theft Auto where you you know you're at the strip club and it's I mean these are really rudimentary but even that no one is defining what the person saw if they saw anything because once again this is a metaverse I I guess my first question is did Facebook program rape into their avatars I'm going to probably say no so I don't think there was a visual representation of them holding her down and doing horrible shit so what, did they just bump their cartoons into her nonstop and say horrible shit? Yeah. And if they did say horrible shit, enough, I, I don't know, I guess what confuses me is what do they consider digital rape? I wonder if it's going to be, I wonder if it's going to be considered as, as just like a form of bullying or something like that where you're, um, you know, online that people... I guess no. I know that you said that, you know the avatars don't really look exactly like people, but like at the same time, if they can kind of identify that this person is who they were doing this to, uh, maybe they're trying to hone in on like this is kind of like almost a, a bullying mentality of of trying to ruin this girl's name or 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 but, whoever, but, or even but, along the lines of like harassment or something. Yes, yeah, but, yeah. but harassment and bullying. Are over here. Rape is way the fuck down here. How yeah, how do right. we how does someone get digitally raped? Obviously, there's no physical contact. I mean, I, I, don't, I see, don't. See, here's why I bring this up. If we say okay, clearly there wasn't a visual aspect to it because it wasn't programmed into the software. It's not like they were able to force horrible porn shit or maybe they were no one's talking about my, my number one question what did she visually see or what did she hear if it comes down to just five assholes saying grotesque shit to her mm. fine that's a community guideline issue that's bullying and harassing but is that rape because if that is are we're now applying physical rape potential real life penalties to verbal yeah. interaction which then becomes a huge free speech thing yeah. yeah because if we're going to say that verbally saying hey larry i'm holding your head down to my and forcing you to perform oral on me right now how is that different than someone in a chat room on call of duty saying man i just fucking shot you in the back of the head yeah I mean, okay now are we going to bring you up on digital murder charges or how is that any different than 25 years ago when we were playing Halo and we were teabagging other teammates or other people and saying, oh, dude, you just got raped. Yeah, now yeah. we can 
you know, we can pull me too. I mean, people are getting canceled for shit they tweeted 25 years ago. Imagine the amount of people being brought up on digital rape charges for teabagging people on Halo in the right. first three versions of Call of Duty. Right. And so to me, I'm more concerned with the fact that a people are like okay, United Kingdom, you guys can't investigate this. You have real physical rapes that you're behind, you're backlogged on. Apparently, rape is so big in United Kingdom that people are more worried that they're going to take time investigating real physical rape and dedicated to this digital stuff. But to me, my bigger concern is we need what is the definition? Once again, if you just have three photos bouncing in each other, yeah. okay. Um, I would hope that Facebook didn't program visual sexual acts into their software. Um, to me, I, I'm concerned it's going to become a, a free speech issue. Yeah. And where does it stop? I mean, yeah. yes, cyberbullying is a huge issue. Here's a question for you. <laughs> Obviously, people can lie. They can create sub-accounts and other accounts. But why is it none of these platforms? Well, I mean, I know why, because of money. But couldn't some of this stuff be minimized by actual age verification? You're a 13-year-old on Xbox? We're not going to put you on a server with a bunch of 30-year-olds. Yeah. Keep the squeakers on a server by themselves. Ain't going to hurt my Dude. feelings. I get tired of hearing their fucking voices. The, the technology is definitely there these days to be able to, to weed out that. I mean, most platforms now, if unless you have a business page like, a, you know, Larry Venturino comedy at Facebook.com, Facebook won't allow you to have made up names. Like mm -hmm. you, you know, when Facebook first came out, you could be, you know, Johnny Red, Johnny Redbeard. And now, sorry, Johnny Redbeard. Now you could come out your name. My name's Jim Borton. And, you know, they got rid of the, the nicknames. Everything has to be age verified. Once again, yes, there's going to be ways around it for those people who truly want to get around it, but you can still minimize 40% of the shit by just age verification. You know, hey, you're fucking on TikTok. You're 13. We're not going to post your videos on uh, the timeline of a 30-year-old. 30-year-olds, yeah. I swear to God, during the pandemic, near the end of it, when TikTok was growing, I felt like somebody was hijacking my TikTok because yeah. I'd go through my timeline, and I'm like seeing videos of like 10-year-olds and 15-year-old kids, and I'm like, and I'm subscribed to their shit. And I'd have to go, and, and I'm like, is TikTok giving out free likes and follows? Because there's no way in hell I would, A, watch their content to begin with, and B, fucking follow them. And yeah. that happened for like six months. I was going through an unfollowing like young kids. It's like, why the fuck, you know, if we want to, if we truly want to crack down on this stuff, mm. I don't need to see a fucking 14 year old's content on my timeline. I'm 45. I'm not interested in anything that to fucking say, you know, so why not segregate some of that stuff by age? It's definitely could be done. I mean, yeah, sure. Every once in a while, somebody's going to go through the hassle. I'm 14. I'm going to make a profile saying I'm 28. That shit's yeah. going to happen, but you can at least minimize it to, to protect the kids until they get to the dickhead stage where they're going to fucking thwart it. Yeah. We can slow down the corruption some. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of the, the a lot of the stuff out there we're just not truly trying because we don't want to cut down on that expendable revenue. Yeah. Larry, is your type just to kind of bring it back to comedy, um is your type of comedy, I guess 
blue more on the on the cleaner side or more on the raunchy side you know kind let of, me answer this as somebody who's seen your act like four nine? times yeah I'm, I'm curious what you don't have to say about this stuff larry <laughs> he i don't want to say mask he layers his subject matter in a way where you're thinking you're seeing uh <laughs> a not blue what okay blue's bad we'll say the opposite of blue would be red even though that doesn't make sense, you think you're seeing a a a PC a PG thirteen comic, yeah. And for the most part, he is. But then he'll build up the zinger about his parents disguising the fact that when they fucked, they caught it going to. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because before before I saw your act on that, I was throwing that that. Word. God, I'm getting old. <laughs> what city was it? Sheboygan. Yeah, Sheboygan. So. <laughs> So he would mask the fact that his parents, whenever they'd get down, they're talking about going to Sheboygan. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and kind of in the styles of the aforementioned Gallagher. Don't take this as the wrong way. See, Gallagher's gotten a bad rap. You know, people yeah. think people hear Gallagher, especially young kids, never seen him. They think, yeah. oh, he's a guy who smashed watermelons for an hour and a half. No, Gallagher fucking did an hour and a half of straight up comedy, and then he'd pull the yeah. props out for the last 15, 20 minutes. I grew up in Kentucky yeah. and Ohio. My parents were introduced to Gallagher by my dad's sister in Indiana. They actually went to some of the live shows. So I was watching Gallagher stand up act as a kid, you know, yeah. and, and he had an hour and a half worth of just normal stand up material. Yeah. He had his theme and he had his voice, but the watermelons yeah. and the trampolines and that shit didn't come out until like the last 20 minutes of his show. And yeah. Larry's very similar. He has a bit, he has stand up comedy, but to answer your question, Mike, you can't say he's not blue because he has a uh, he brings up an audience member, blindfolds him, and they play a fun game called "Is this a sex toy or a dog toy?" <laughs> and so you can't be super clean when you got sex toys on stage. <laughs> but you know but he does it I, in a way I, where you don't have to be embarrassed if your fifteen year old sitting next to you. Yeah, because you know what? I don't say any bad words throughout the whole game, and and it's like maybe there's some innuendo or blah blah blah. Sometimes the the, the, con the contestants say a lot worse than I even say during the game. And so, like, yeah, so I think that's a good assessment of my show. I try, like, I don't use a lot of vulgar words at all during my set. I might talk about things that when you think about it for a second, you're like, wow, that's vulgar. But I never said any bad word. Um, and, and it's like, but yeah, but if, when I'm in a club... If there's like if it's go if it's rolling well and stuff like that, I might swear a little bit more than normal, um, but I never use vulgar like graphic words. And so, but my the innuendo sometimes is very very deep. No pun intended. Right. So, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so yeah, um, it just kind of like flip it because I think I I want my material to be something that you have to think about a little bit. Um, but I don't. I don't want to just get on stage and just like try to say dirty words and 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 you know and try to be edgy or I, I try to like challenge myself to write you know kind of thought provoking things that you know people find funny um, and I'm touching about um, topics too that are sometimes are pretty pretty heavy but I'm doing it in a way that is not vulgar so yeah you're 15 year old sitting there I haven't really said anything bad. Right. You know, you're thinking it, but I haven't said it really. Right. And yeah. sometimes 
kind of like what Quentin Tarantino said. You know, some one well, people's biggest complaint about Reservoir Dogs is when they're showing the scene they go to cut the cop's ear off, the the camera pans away. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino said like, the camera pans away because there's nothing I could have written in that moment that would have been more horrifying than what you can yeah. think up in your mind. Yeah, and so Larry's thing is, uh, don't only put words in your mouth, but the what I kind of get the way you, you you form it is. I'm going to present the item. I'll put some yeah. in the window in there. But whatever your perverted ass thing, what you can do with that item, that's up to you. And yeah. I'll let you take it as far as you and your wife want to take it in your own minds without having to put yeah. it out there. Right. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate you understanding what I'm doing. Um, I, don't, I, I mean, I think a lot of people understand that, but there's definitely a lot of people that don't understand what I'm trying to do. Um, so I appreciate that assessment because I, uh, I that's what I'm going for, for sure. Well, I'm working on a few premises I might send your way and see if you can help me punch them up. Because I've been threatened for like the last six years to, to do uh, open mic night. And that's something I still want to do, but I, I want to have at least, you know, two minutes put together before I get up there and make complete ass of myself. Yeah, yeah. And so I've been writing some stuff from time to time. I'll, I'll send you the premise and you can tell me it sucks or yeah. help me punch it up. And yeah. maybe one night yeah. I can... Uh, work it out somewhere yeah for sure that sounds good but um yeah i think a we definitely need more comedy clubs down here especially for you know to bring the entertainment down here especially estero is such yeah. a nice drive um so we're definitely looking forward to that oh cool. i don't know just the i don't know maybe because i work in computers and all this this ai stuff is just i don't know it's driving me crazy with how much it's being utilized and how much more we're taking the human yeah. element out of fucking everything. Yeah. So well, my comedy club is not even real. It's actually all AI generated. We don't even have to go anywhere. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Actually, didn't somebody do that on during the pandemic? I know. Who the hell? It was virtual shows. Yeah. But not. Yeah, I was. I don't know if I can't remember who yeah, the hell it was. Of, a lot of people were doing that. There were musicians that were doing that. Bands were playing like virtual concerts. But no, I there was actually I can't remember who the fuck it was. There was actually a comedian. He he did a metaverse stand up act. And he said he put on the goggles and you could see the faces of everybody like at home on their webcams out in the virtual audience, and so he could actually see people laugh. Of course, there's a little buffering which kind of throws you off. But he actually, yeah, yeah. he straight up, not only did a virtual, he did a straight up virtual fucking comedy act. I can't remember yeah. who the hell it was, but the good news is, is that the AI can definitely help you come up with some ideas and yes, it's a little hypocritical. I'm sitting around on AI, but I, I use it for podcast episode descriptions primarily because of my learning disability and my horrible grammar. I'll actually write out what I want to say and then I'll go to chat GP and say, please rewrite this as a YouTube video description or a podcast. And I'll put in the paragraph that I pre-wrote and it recalibrates it. But what I find and I tried to work around this is it puts in younger cat verbiage and like real flowery yeah. fucking adjectives and, and actually I said, please rewrite this in my voice, a Gen Xer. But then it started putting in a lot of dudes, and I was like, no, I had to yeah. delete all that shit out of there. <laughs> and so I still go back and like delete all the colorful language because, 
you read that and you're like, that's not the way this guy writes. And so I use it primarily for structure. And where it really yeah. comes in great is I'll like generate hashtags separated by commas. And it just spits me out three paragraphs of hashtags. Yeah. And I can just paste them in there quickly instead of trying to uh, Cape Coral bass fishing or kayak <laughs> just or whatever yeah. I'm doing. And so I do, I will use it especially for what's the scuttlebutt because we have a lot of historical based content. I will use it to rewrite uh, my episode description. So I know the grammar and all that's there and I've done it on my YouTube videos real quick. For those of you watching, I might kind of question me too. You're like, Don, why are you putting up so many goddamn shorts on YouTube? It's annoying. It's annoying. They, they work. Yeah. <laughs> that's where the algorithm's at. I just, apparently Sunday I edited my, best catches of 2023 fishing video put it up i got 11 views i take I a tiktok it. that i recorded two years ago put it up in two hours i got 2500 views because and it's not yeah. because of the content it's because that's where youtube's putting all the algorithm yeah if, yeah. if people don't have reminders set on and they're just hoping that the shit shows up in your timeline because they subscribe to you it chance chances are unless they've watched every single one of your videos it's not going to show up because they're pushing the shorts. They're trying to compete with TikTok. Well, the the yeah. frustrating thing for me is because I watch YouTube on my regular TV, and yeah. when I pull it up and I go to my subscriptions, all I see is nothing but shorts. Mm -hmm. I do the and same thing. I watch a lot. If of I want to, yeah. If I want to watch, you know, a long form video, I got to scroll through all this shit to get to it. And yeah. I, if if they could update you know, the apps on the TVs or, or, or whatnot of, you know, here's your long form videos. If you want to watch shorts, here's your shorts. I wouldn't, it wouldn't aggravate me as bad, but as soon as I turn it on, it's like, damn it. Don just put 50 fucking shorts up there. And I, gotta I put find, three a day. I got to find the one video in between 500 of them that I want to watch. Well, I'll give you the perfect example. I'll go to my YouTube right now. Um, I've got more subscribers. Just from putting yeah. up shorts. Um, I Believe was... it or not, so have I. Yeah. yeah. Off of off of one one short video that I posted, got 2,500 views. I'm up six subscribers just off of yeah. one video. Uh, let's see, analytics yeah. right here. Um, wait for it to refresh. Come on. Um, in the last 28 days, 55 subscribers like well that's not a lot really that's 511 percent higher than normal yeah uh, last 28 last 28 days my views i've had 58,000 views in the last 28 days because wow. i started putting up shorts my revenue has gone up i've already we're 14 days into this month i'm two dollars off of matching last month's revenue for an entire month but back to what i was saying um Regular content overview videos, and I still put the videos out, but it's like if you want people to, and I'm hoping what will happen to people who subscribe watching my shorts will watch my long format stuff. And yeah. the other thing we're going to do, speaking of formats, is I'm going to take these two hour videos of podcasts, cut them down into one, two minute clips, put them up there, hoping that people will track down the full, the full view. But you know, and it, it kind of sucks. So it's like you put the energy and effort into recording videos and content, and because YouTube wants to wants to try to compete with TikTok. I mean, that fishing video I put up yesterday, um, thirteen views. But once again, I put up a short. Um, let's see, I put up a short. You know, 
yesterday. And those 13 views were me and 12 other of your friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, here's shorts, 512, 426, 2,552, 1,321, 2,422. Yeah. It's like, so it's like you're, you're forced to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say the, once you get monetized, the money's so much better in TikTok. I think off that video that I had 1.7 million views, I made before they took their 60%, I think I made 70 bucks off of. Mm. Off of a 1.4 million views. Mm. Whereas on YouTube, you get a video, you know, just to extrapolate it. Um, I got this video that I put out five years ago. I was working at computers. I accidentally got overzealous and I scratched off the key code on a Microsoft key code. It was on a cardboard box. And what I discovered is I could call Microsoft's billing, give them the serial number on the card, and they can give me the key code. So I just posted that for other IT guys. Somehow it ended up on a forum, ended up on Reddit. It ended up somewhere. And people started using this theory. With Fargo, the new theory for other types of uh Virtual assistant from I Wells hit Fargo. Shut up. Um, theory on other types of cards, whether Roblox is a big one, uh, Xbox. I put this video out five years ago. I didn't get monetized until last June. This video has 144,000 fucking views. I wish I was monetized four years ago because I could have made a tremendous amount of money off this video. But just to, to extrapolate it and put it in perspective, TikTok had a video, 1.7 million views made like 60 bucks over, uh, I don't know, a couple months. This one stupid video that from doing the Microsoft stuff, just in the last 28 days, this, which is not a tremendous amount of money, but compared to the amount of money that a 1.7 million view video got, I'm trying to get back to that page. Come on, go back. YouTube Studio, you're garbage. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, that video has made $19 in the last 28 days on YouTube. That's, and that's nowhere near 1.7 million. I mean, and and that vi that video hasn't gotten, you know, it's in the last 28 days, it's made gotten a. Oh, um, okay, 5,000 views made 19 bucks imagine if tiktok would have paid me that same revenue on that video that got 1.7 million views i would have made pretty decent money but they don't and i i even i even left the tiktoker creator fund there's no money in that problem problem with tiktok now is it's turning the goddamn home shopping network you can't watch a single video without some asshole trying to sell you something in their tiktok shop <laughs> yeah yep. But the easiest way around that is just go watch your following page instead of the for you page because then you actually go back and watch the people's content you chose to follow back in the day. Yeah. I, I think more and more people need to start doing that. Mike, what's it like to get married in fucking super expensive times? <laughs> um humbling. Yeah. And stress beyond what i thought stress really was it's so goddamn unfair <laughs> and 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 i don't mean that just in marriage i just mean look all of us you're maybe what how old are you mike uh 
31. Okay, so you're 10, 11 years younger than me. Larry, how old are you? 45. Okay, you and I are the same exact age. We were told <laughs> if we worked hard, went to school, made a decent living, we could have a nice life. You know, Larry, in order for us to have the same quality of life our parents had when we were in high school, when they were only making $32,000 a year, I just saw yeah. this on a video of the um, finance guy. In order to match this, the quality of life that our parents had, if they only made $32,000 in 1996, you and I would have to make $136,000 a year. Yeah, That's how much inflation is. Mm. It's like the money I'm making now, if I was making fucking just 10 years ago, yeah, I would have a substantial different fucking life. But because how expensive and how inflated everything is i could mike if you're buying this wedding 10 years ago it would be a completely different wedding and it's just it's so goddamn yeah insane it's so unfair and then when yeah, you see if, these politicians on both sides saying oh we're turning everything around the fuck you are for who it's just so gross yeah if if i was making 10 15 years ago what i'm making now um my life would be completely different. Mm-hmm. Completely different. And that's only 10, 15 years. So I was discussing earlier about how everybody's calling me fat and out of weight. So it's one of the things I came right the following Monday from, from Mike's bachelor party. And I've mentioned this before. For like the last year or so, I would just, lunchtime, I would just go grab a sweatshirt in my book bag and pull up a chunk of tile. And I would sleep for 45 minutes on the tile floor in one of the offices at my work get a nice little cat nap, come back. It kind of divided my day up in half. Now I don't feel like I'm working eight hours. I'm a little rejuvenated. Then Monday I came back. I went to go to sleep. I'm like, fuck this fat ass. I have walked two, two and a half miles every day at lunch since November. Good. And I've cut out all the, um, and then I come home and I'll run three miles since the 72 miles in 15 days. But not only that, I, I stopped ordering a Grubhub candy and this and that, and I'm drinking sugarless iced tea right now. I'm cutting down my my soda. Don't look at the goddamn scale because that fucker said I've weighed, I've gained three pounds. It's got to be a muscle mass. But I say all that to when I do get hungry, I'll walk to the Wendy's and I'll get just a double cheeseburger, no bun. So it's just two pieces of meat, cheese, onion, pickle, lettuce, tomato. Pretty much protein very little carbs and i'm like fuck it you know what i'll get a medium lemonade i've had nothing to drink all day except for black coffee with no sugar and water since six o'clock this morning so i can live off the 300 calories in this lemonade because i'm not going to eat anything until i get home well yesterday well today it rained and i had to go get my hair cut and things for the wedding and so i stopped through wendy's after i picked up a drink somewhere else and i just got the cheeseburger now every day i was going through not every day but maybe twice a week Get the cheeseburger and the lemonade. Not a combo meal, just the cheeseburger. $12. Somebody I used to work at Wendy's and Nice, I'm like, God damn, it's a lot of money. But here's my bringing point. I went through today and just got the cheeseburger. She's like, $7. I was like, how much is that fucking lemonade? $4 for a goddamn large lemonade. It, I, I said, mental note, next time, don't get the goddamn lemonade. I would think it was like $2. No. I was like, wow, things are $4 for goddamn lemonade now. Yep. So yeah. th there's a more indication of 
inflation, it's something's got to give before too long. I just, I don't know. Something's got to give. Yep. <sighs> if things are getting better in the, um, in the clubs as far as people being less offended, because we all know that 18, 19, 20, 21, people, things are getting crazy. Hell, even Seinfeld said I'm not playing colleges anymore. Have you noticed a difference in less groans and moans when other comics that you open for yeah. or you're in the wings when they get a little blue? Are you starting to hear less moans or is it staying about the same? No, I, I, I've seen like uh, people seem to be, I'm not going to say over it, but uh, like the people that are going out to the clubs, they, they seem to be into it. I do a lot of theaters, a lot of community theaters and stuff like that where people uh, understand what's happening and they go to see a show and they want to laugh and have a good time. So uh, I'm doing a lot of those shows and people are just great. Um, yeah, you're going to like, you know, where I've been performing different places. I just come back from Phoenix and um, that crowd was really awesome. Like this never like they moan and groan about different things because they think they have to. But at the end of the day, they're just having a good time. Um, you know, it's just like people feel that they have to like grunt or, oh, my God, you can't say that. Just to say just to wash their hands of it. But at the end of the day, they're they're enjoying the shows, I think. And not as uptight, but who knows? That's just my feeling. Where's your favorite city to play? I don't know. Um, I was just asking the other day. It was a very tough question. Uh, Nashville was unbelievable. Um, performing in Nashville was a lot of fun. First of all, it was a great city. I hate country music, but um, but like the whole town is really fun, and there's a lot to do. And I performed at Zany's which is like a famous club there. And that was just a killer night. It was just unbelievable. <laughs> much fun. I saw your uh, photo. I was like, I was a fucking Larry pulled out his dog toys at Zany's. How awesome is that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a amazing. huge club. I mean, big people perform at Zany's. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was very honored to be able to perform there. And it went, it was one of my best sets. I did really well that night and the game went really, really well. Um, I love the New England area. I actually, so like not last summer, but the summer before I did like a New England tour because I'm from Rhode Island. My Rhode Island show was a lot of fun. It was really great. Um, I did a, show, a couple shows in Boston. Boston seemed uptight about certain things. To answer your other question, nowhere else have I really seen that um, over the last few years. Like I, You could feel it in Boston for some reason. Uh, that you weren't supposed to say certain things a little bit, but that was a couple of years ago. Now I, I don't know, and that's kind of think- sad because Boston was like in the '80s and '90s. Boston was one of the hubs for comedy. So many guys came out of Boston. Yeah, and um, you know, historically, you know, you think about sports. Like, you know, it, it's it's supposed to be this progressive city. It's supposed to be this like whatever they call it now. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, but that that whole city, I mean, sports related was a pretty racist town. Yep. Uh, I was a, um, I'm a big New England sports fan. Like, I, I love the Red Sox. My favorite player of all time was a guy named Jim Rice. And uh, he was shit on um, for years by the crowd. He was like, he's a Hall of Famer. He was just like shit on by, uh, in the things I heard as a little kid in the stands, just like demeaning towards him and everything. And this is supposed to be this progressive, uh, you know, town. And, and remember, the Red Sox were the last 
uh, Major League Baseball team to sign a black player after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. And I think it was like nine or 10 years later. So, and so like, uh, and, and so, and now it's like, even like, I, I, I mean, if people from Boston see this podcast, you know, I'm probably going to be whatever, but I really don't care. Like, even some of the comedians and the bands that I worked with in the past, so like condescending, elitist, whatever. Yeah. And whole attitude. And like, I just like, I won't, it, I don't really love working with some of the comics from there. Um, just like they, everyone thinks that they're better than everyone else from everywhere else. Um, the crowd, I guess, was okay in Boston. It was, like, I had fun, but it just seemed like some of the things I said um, weren't supposed to be allowed. Yeah. And it wasn't even bad, you know? Yeah, this is coming from your routine. It's not like you're pulling up old Andrew Dice Clay jokes. I mean. No, no. And I'm, and, and I'm not, like, political or anything else like that, but, you know, it's just, like, I don't know, whatever. It's just, like, a different – it just seemed like a different vibe. It could have been the night. It could have been – you know, I did, um, I don't know, whatever it was, but um, I had, I did have fun, but I just like noticeably saw like a difference there. Um, but I would, I would say Nashville is, is a lot of fun. I mean, I've done Los Angeles and it's been a lot of fun. Like, I don't know, just like Jacksonville, Florida, like, like did that a couple months ago, had one of the greatest shows I've ever done. Uh, followed by the same night having one of the worst shows I've ever done because that happens in comedy. So it was like I felt it was awesome. The first show was awesome. And the second show was whatever, but um, they just didn't weren't really into me. But uh, yeah, it just really depends. I mean, I mean, in Florida, there's so many different scenes and different, different cities and different vibes and all these different towns that you can you know, go somewhere completely different every weekend and. Um, I just I just love challenging myself and performing wherever they will let me. So, you know. but Nashville, <laughs> Nashville, that was the cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tennessee in itself is great. Anyhow, that's like one of the places we fantasize about moving to one day in the future. But Larry, I yeah. want to thank you for coming on. Where can people find information about your venue, your shows coming up, whether it's your particular act or the the acts coming to your new comedy club, where can people find that information? Yeah. So the new comedy club, again, the only comedy club in Estero, Florida, it's called Venturino's comedy club. So Venturino's with an S comedy club.com for all the upcoming shows. You can buy tickets and get some more information. Uh, Venturino talent is my talent agency. And then Larry Venturino.com has all my upcoming shows all around the country. I'm going to be in South Carolina, North Carolina. I'm going to be in New England, New York, all over Florida and all over the place uh, in the next few months. So I hope you uh, check it out if you're in the area. Yeah, definitely. And I appreciate having me back on here. I love coming on with you guys. So thank you. Anytime. And uh, for myself and Mike, this was a quick put together episode. We're going to continue putting these out maybe once a month. We're going to, find our voice a little bit on here but we're changing things up we want to say thanks to all of everyone who's been hanging out with us for the last five years and if if you haven't done so please head over to what's in your head.com or d-410.com and click on that patreon link sign up and subscribe it goes a long way to help cover the bills over the month to uh because as larry can tell you web hosting ain't cheap <laughs> neither are domain names and so uh 
that goes a long way to help cover the the small overhead we do have but for myself mike and larry thank you guys so much and we will talk to you next episode this has been a digital 410 production (laughs) 